Exceeding Expectations, episode 20. Welcome to Exceeding Expectations, the show about creating exceptional experiences for your customers. The guests on the show typically have a mindset of loving to over-deliver and give their customers a great experience. And they're, they're trying to think of ways and creative ways of how they can do that with all of the customers that they work with. It results in, in just far better testimonials, lots of great referrals, and so therefore they're spending less, less time and money on marketing and advertising. In this week's episode, I talk with Tom Ross, who gives some very interesting insights from a design perspective. So here is the the interview with Tom Ross. In this week's edition of Exceeding Expectations, I'm sitting here with a guy called Tom Ross. How are you, Tom? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Tony. That's that's fine. It's, it's unusual, actually, as we were just speaking before we started recording, to have a, a fellow Brit, because most of my guests seem to be American, and, and Tom also has a podcast, so most of his guests seem to be American. So. Although, as I mentioned, I've got three co-hosts, and one of them is from England, too, and I think we deliberately conceived that just so we'd outnumber the others. <laughs> and what because you you mentioned to me that you've got two podcasts do you want to tell us about the two podcasts you have yeah sure so you probably uh will know a commonality here the older one is connected to my main company which is in the graphic design space design cuts and the podcast is the honest designers show and that's where we speak mm-hmm. really candidly and transparently about what it is being a designer so everything from like client headaches to the ups and the downs and the in-betweens and and the journey and practicing and finding your style and even stuff like burnout and mental health um and people really appreciate the kind of candidness there and then with my personal brand stuff where i'm more in the entrepreneurial marketing space the show is called the honest entrepreneur and it's much the same Mm. where my whole ethos um beyond just exceeding customer expectations is authenticity transparency um and just being very very candid and real with your audience so that's the kind of common thread between the two shows and and you were saying you've got some sort of uh, fellow hosts on the on one of the podcasts yeah on the design one it's four of us um and we've had a few guests on where they they <laughs> they've admitted after they're like I thought I'd come on and with four of you it would be an utter nightmare, um, but right. it actually works really well. Like you know we're four kind of different characters, so everyone just brings a different angle. Um, but yeah, normally it stirs up some good conversations and us being generally ridiculous. I can imagine that must be so with four of you, and and then you will always have a guest as well as well as the four of you. Uh, no, we have a guest maybe. 25% of the time although we are getting more okay. and more I can't believe it Tony I just looked out the window it's chucking it down with quite heavy snow yeah, that, that yeah I ridiculous. noticed that <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah so okay and so how long have you been doing um, podcasting uh, it's been a couple of years or so and I don't know if you found this since starting yours but I love it for so many reasons I think it makes you a better speaker i think it, it makes you more aware of your speech as well so did you get this before you did yours where your voice if you hear a recording sounded terrible 
you're like, oh, I can't sound like that. What a nightmare. And when you hear it every yeah. single week listening back, then the disconnect vanishes. And now when I listen to my voice, it's exactly what I hear coming out my mouth. Well, I, I guess I had a head start because I worked on radio for seven years. So I kind of got okay. quite used to it. So, and, and I think that's probably why I got into podcasting because of doing that. So I was going to say, you sound very natural with it. For me uh, and my co-host, when we started, we had all kinds of stuff. Like we keep talking over each other because we just hadn't found that rhythm. Uh, sorry if you can hear someone honking, by the way. This is, uh, there's an idiot out on the road in the snow by the sound of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there, there's endless benefits, I think. So beyond just making you more mm-hmm. self-aware with your speech and so on. And when we started out, we were saying like every other word and arm um and are and all that kind of thing. So I think it can make you a, a better public speaker, um, mm. hold better conversations in, in everyday life. But it's been so mm. good marketing wise. And that wasn't even the root intent with it. But we get so many emails, we get more correspondence and social media messages about that than anything else with people reaching out and saying nice stuff. And it really has kind of got our four names out in the industry. And so are all four of you designers? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a weird industry, if you're not in it, because we're even more niche. People who aren't designers kind of get the concept of a graphic designer, but my co-hosts mm. create digital products. That's kind of what our mm. company sells as well. So these are people who make a living doodling bunnies, one of them, uh, like mm. illustrate bunnies and then turn them into graphics and sell them. Uh, we've got other people who create fonts for a living. And it's Mm. that kind of career where you tell someone outside of the industry and they're like, hold on, what? That's not a job. (laughs) Um, But it can be really lucrative and they're doing really well. And what is it that you specialize in? So my journey has been simultaneously creativity and design and entrepreneurship from quite a young age. I've learned them in tandem. So that makes Mm -hmm. sense with what my company does now because we are a global marketplace that helps people creating these digital products to sell them to the end customer Mm. so um i hate to use the analogy but we're kind of like amazon in that respect we're like the amazon of design products so we help with the marketing and distribution uh and Mm -hmm. we cultivate a a lovely community around that and treat our customers very well which i believe we're going to touch on today And, and so how how long have you been doing sort of in the design world i guess right from the start so as i say i learned that and marketing simultaneously and i was about 12 years old when i got into it all and i I remember the moment as well my oldest friend uh american guy called nick we were sat at his computer we were 12 years old and this was like early stage internet uh compared to now and so Mm. a lot of things were very fledgling and he right clicked on a web page and hit view source if you know where it obviously then kicks out all the html and stuff so it spat out all this code behind the website and it was like the first time i saw the matrix i was like hold on you mean people (laughs) build these things that's nuts and i had to get my head around that but then i just got hooked and so from 12 years old we started basically creating websites together it would just be endless random projects and a lot of them didn't Mm. see the light of day some of them did some of them bought in some money some of them we sold and you know, not for huge amounts, but it was just this kind of perpetual hobby as we were growing up that we fitted around our lives where we would just be dabbling and learning and getting better and better at building these things. And so is there any sort of particular area of design that you prefer doing now? I've done a few over the years. So I ran a fairly popular uh, blog back in the day teaching Photoshop and that dealt with Mm -hmm. a lot of photo manipulation. Um, 
and I had a lot of fun doing that. You could create some pretty cool works of art. Um, my specialist subject tended to be web design and a lot of stuff around conversions, which doesn't sound very sexy, but it's quite cool where you get really interesting clients. Like I had the biggest electric bass teacher online, for example, as one of my clients and where you can work for a few weeks with someone launching a new website. And then suddenly he's making twice the sales he was previously overnight. And so mm. I get a real kick out of that kind of thing. Um, mm. so yeah, I, I would say like heavy in Photoshop heavy with uh the web and, and marketing side of design from what i understand of the the kind of web design world i mean wordpress is is pretty huge so are you sort of creating themes and such or do you just do your own bespoke sites so we are more on the product side than services so we could sell themes we don't currently we probably will in the future but we actually run off wordpress ourselves so even though we're quite this large established marketplace now wordpress is so powerful as a cms you can apply it to all types of businesses and really kind of scale mm. it out and bolt bits onto it so yeah i'm, I'm mm-hmm. a wordpress fan for sure as far as your clients are concerned are you sort of niche in any particular area of clients or do you just kind of go across the board we're more across the board now, um, and I'm a huge fan of niching, I think, especially when you're starting out. But it's just been over, you know, we've been going five and a half years now. As we've scaled out, mm. we've attracted more and more disparity in our customer base. So, you know, we've just launched a, a Procreate section this week, um, which are, are brushes that you use on the iPad. For any non-designers, mm-hmm. that's quite a weird name for a product. Um, just mm. <laughs> kind of sounds a little bit dodgy, um, but there you go. Um, so yeah, we've launched yeah. that. And so we're attracting a lot of people who are doing calligraphy on the iPad, for example. We've got people mm. getting corporate stuff. We've got people buying fonts. We've got people into the cute illustrations. We've got people who love something called digital scrapbooking, which tends to be people who are retired and paste together endless pictures of their babies and, and their family uh, in kind of digital collages like there, there's so many varieties like when you really go deep in the design world there's endless niches in there and and we do try and cater to as many as possible and so it sounds like when someone comes to you you've got such a wide range of things that you can offer them probably a lot of things they had no idea that were even possible yeah i think uh, the discovery process can be quite fun um designers are quite an interesting breed i know because i am one but almost like wine they can to an extent collect resources so especially fonts Mm. people geek out over a beautiful font so much um and Mm. people will literally hoard them even if you know they're not buying it because they've got a suitable project yet they're buying it because they think one day hopefully they might but in the meantime it looks pretty so they want it on their hard drive i mean what tends to be your customers expectations and how often are they realistic in terms of the company right now, we would not actually be someone the client would use. So imagine uh, there's a client who needs a website. There's a designer mm-hmm. who's going to build the website. The designer would mm-hmm. get the tools he needs to build the website from us. And then he would go mm-hmm. and um, create it for the client, if that makes sense. So okay. if the designer is building out a nice WordPress website, maybe they need some graphics for the background. Maybe they need uh, a font to help create the brand and the logo. They'd get those kind of resources from us. So oh, we, we actually sell the assets, the graphics, the fonts, that kind of thing, rather than the actual service or the uh, the website creation bit. But you are offering a range of different designers. No, so we're not even offering the designers. We're literally just offering the tools that the designers use. 
Oh, so our, our audience, okay. they're all designers. They've got their own clients. Uh, they've got their own customers. There's even people um, selling physical products. So people might be creating T-shirts. They might be selling mugs on Etsy or something like that. And so the stuff mm-hmm. that they would use to create the designs to put on the mugs and the T-shirts, they again would get from us. How are you able to deliver more than they expect? expect? I think customer service is huge. Product quality is huge. And I'm obsessed with this um this is one of one of the foundations of the company to be honest and when i started it it was just pushing it to the absolute hill and that's something i've tried to now disseminate down to the team as we've scaled out but Mm. as i say product quality you've got to start there because no matter how good your customer service no matter how well you treat your customers if the product sucks then you've got a problem. So for us, you know, we're highly curated. We only want to accept the best products available on the market. We don't want to open the floodgates to kind of subpar products. So there's a mm. whole curation process. It's very uh, kind of unscalable and arduous, but that's how much I care about this. It's like the team will literally go through and hand test every element of some very large, complex products just to check it is up to scratch. And so when you've got mm. that piece in place, then I believe you exceed expectations mainly with your customer service. And that can be woven into your marketing as well. But essentially getting back to the customers in a timely fashion and then trying Mm. to go above and beyond. And something I do for the team here as part of their training historically, I will draw a little timeline from zero to 10. And then Mm. I will try and put examples of how you treat your customers on that scale. So I'll be like, you know, a, a minus one might be being horrible to the customer. A zero would mm. be not getting back to them at all. A two mm. might be getting back to them with a very average kind of response. A five um, in our timeline is what most people would consider exemplary customer service. But for us, that's like mm-hmm. nowhere near good enough. And and I really like to see how far you can push it. So I'll, I'll give you an example here. This is something I did myself in the early days. Let's say a customer... Mm-hmm. Uh, drops you an email because they've got a minor problem or a question about a product. You Mm -hmm. then respond, you're super warm and chatty and friendly and all the stuff which we know to be good customer service. But you take it Mm -hmm. a step further, you open up a conversation. So you're not trying to close off uh, a support ticket or something like that as quickly as you can. You're trying to help Mm -hmm. them up front, but then you're trying to open up a potential relationship to form. And you can do that all mm. kinds of ways. You can do that by paying an interest, by kind of picking out threads in their email and, and running with them. And another cool hack is if you see they've got a uh, email that has their own domain in it. So um, imagine, you know, it's Tony at TonyWinyard.com, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could then go to your website because they've seen it in your email, check out what you're mm. doing. And then as a little aside at the bottom of the email, once you've helped their main problem, because they, by the way, just checked out your website um, I love what you're doing. I've dug through it a bit and I'm a huge fan and maybe we could support you in this way or maybe you just encourage them with their creative work or something like that. And that opens mm. up a whole different level of conversation. So they're used to either not hearing back, getting a crappy response or you know, hearing back and it's a done deal. Whereas you've now helped them mm. and now you're just chatting and you can relationship build. And so from there, you can chat on and on and on. And some of our customers, they've been chatting to us, essentially. It's not like they've got technical issues every week. They're just chatting with Mm. us every week for the last five years. And that's awesome Mm. because now they're friends as well as customers. Mm. And that breeds loyalty. That blows their mind. You know, no one else bothers to do that. But that's the bedrock of what the company was founded on. And it's something I really, really believe in. 
And mm. it's really rewarding. You know, we've had customers fly from all over the world and pop into the offices here and hang out with us for the day. We've had staff where they've actually befriended the customers outside of their working hours and their mates on Instagram. We've had team members meet up to like go for a day out in London with a customer who happens to be in the country. And that stuff's mm. amazing to me because all of those instances could have just been a support ticket that got closed off at the first interaction. Yeah. Is there, do you have a lot of competition? Yeah, we've got a ton of competition. Um, particularly, I think it's dying down a little bit now. And, and now as we're growing, we're kind of, we're entering a space where I guess we're competing against some bigger players, which is scary, but also exciting. But a few years ago, when we were really taken off, about a year or two after we kind of grew like a rocket, the rockets grow. That's quite a bad example. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say grow like a weed. Um, that sounds negative, but you, you get what I mean. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, like a yeah, a year or two after we saw that tremendous growth, people mm-hmm. started following us into the market because they thought, oh, they're doing well. We can do it too. Mm-hmm. And because there's quite a low barrier to entry with a lot of online businesses, you know, there's a high mm-hmm. barrier in terms of doing it well, but a low barrier to doing it at all. At one point, yeah. we were getting one new competitor per week. And mm. I remember that I was like, oh, this can't be good. Um, you know, mm. the market is going to get saturated very, very quickly. But what is, um, what's interesting is how many of those people fall by the wayside because they haven't got the longevity. And as mm. I say, I don't even look at competition, to be honest with you, Tony. Mm. Um, not a huge amount. I mean, yes, I keep an eye on the market to some extent, but I don't spend my days obsessing about it. I know some people, they're all consumed by it. They spend half their day having anxiety attacks because they're constantly looking at what the competition are doing. I tend mm. to try and look forward and look where we can take things next. And I feel like if we keep moving, we keep innovating and iterating, that's the best mm. way to distance ourselves from the competition. If we're constantly looking back and just seeing everything they're doing, that's only going to draw mm. us closer to them and we're going to lose. And it's funny you say that because that's that's a, a very common thread for a lot of the people that I've interviewed on this podcast have said things very similar to what you just said there. So that's it seems that people have people who have the mindset of trying to give their customers an amazing experience so often also that therefore don't see their um, other people doing the same thing as them as competition. Yeah, I think it's a healthier mindset. And I mean, I did it mm. when... I started the company. I, I don't know if you know um, this example, but David Bowie, apparently, when he used to write his lyrics, he would sit on the floor, probably on mm. some cocktail of drugs, I'd imagine, and he would put <laughs> a load of random words and kind of cutouts in a big circle around him. And he would mm-hmm. look around and he'd sort of pick out words almost at random and try and combine them and, and use that to come up with innovative lyrics. And I I almost did a similar thing when I started the company in that I printed out and made notes on the whole state of the market and all the existing competition before Mm. we came on the scene. And so I analyzed them and I sat and I put it in a big circle like that and systematically worked out how we could be the best in our industry. Mm. So I would look at everything from like their logo and branding and their website and their level of customer care. And so I knew if two competitors were outsourcing their customer support to China and neglecting their customers in the process, we had to beat them on that front. And so there were Mm. about 10 pillars, which as I say, I systematically went through them and found a way for us to be the best in every single pillar and therefore be the best option on the market. And Mm. that is something I'd advocate for anyone to do. And if 
if it's impossible, I would advise, you know, pick a different angle or niche down because there are always these little pockets, these little niches where you can be number one. And a very Mm. bad mistake I made back in the day is I would look at bigger businesses in my industry and I'd think, well, if they can bring in a million dollars a year, then if I'm 10% as good as they are, that must mean I'm going to make a hundred grand. And obviously Mm -hmm. that's a complete nonsense because why would anyone pay me to be 10% as good as someone else? They just can't pay for the option that was the best and a hundred percent good. Um, Mm. so the answer is try and be the best option. And I think when you really are more systematic and set your mind to it and niche down and so on, I think it is more Mm. doable than people realize. And so it's, I get the impression then from what you're saying, so the the customers that you're dealing with, when they first come to you, they're maybe not used to the level of, um, customer service they're getting from you that they've been receiving previously. Absolutely not. We've had five plus years of people literally telling us they are gobsmacked with how we treat them. And um, mm. we have people shouting about it, telling their friends, um, people shouting on social media saying like, this is why I love design cards. This is why I love these guys. It's so mm. powerful. I just fully believe in it. Like I say, quality mm. product first, but this is like a very, very, very close second to run in tandem. And so where do you had, where do you see the future for your, for your company? How will you expand from where you are now? It's a very tough question. I'm not one for like three-year plans. And to be honest, the market online in general moves so quickly that mm. they're not actually that useful. Um, where I'm at now, we've now built enough infrastructure and enough team out that we are executing like never before. So we're getting stuff done in a month that would have taken us two years before. And that excites wow. me because it means we come up with a plan for the near future we execute mm. on that, we tear through it, and then we come up with the next one and the next one, and we just keep executing. And mm. that for me is exciting. And, and yes, like within that, I've got some kind of bigger picture aspirations. I mean, in an overall sense, I want us to be the no-brainer go-to place for designers. You know, for mm. me, we are hands down the best option in our market, and therefore just more people need to know about us because when mm. they do, they tend to not want to go anywhere else. And I'm not saying that, like I said at the start, I've got no interest in this being a a pitch fest for my company. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's probably not super relevant anyway, my company, for a lot of your listeners. But I want it to Mm -hmm. be a good example um, Mm -hmm. in how to think about these things, hopefully. And so what would most designers who come to you, what would be, I don't know, say the most popular product? What what are most people looking for? Fonts, probably um it's it's evening out a little bit but historically fonts are super popular as i alluded to earlier people literally collect them they they jump Mm. all over them a beautiful font and and you can almost never have enough even if they're only slightly different you just see one and you're like oh that's just got a bit of edge like i i I really want to use that for a future project so would a designer for example come to you and say that i need a a font for this project and explain what the project is and then ask you to to recommend something is that how it works sometimes but most of the time it's more think of you're shopping on amazon they would literally search mm. around and browse around and find one they liked and then grab it just kind of go back to, to the podcast and you know the other guys that you're working with so what kind of things do you, are you discussing on the uh the t- different episodes that you have it's been all kinds of stuff um but it tends to be honest hence the the name of the show so um what's important to me is not having this glossy highlight reel i don't think 
if we jumped on, not that any of my co-hosts are this arrogant, but if they jumped on and we're just like, yeah, you know, we're super successful, we're flying high, like it's all going really well. And here's some examples of wins that wouldn't be very relatable for people. What mm. got the show off the ground is that these very successful co-hosts of mine would jump on and they've got, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people that look up to them and what they're doing, but mm. they would open up and, and say, you know, I go through a lot of the same stuff as, as you guys listening at home. I will get the anxiety. I will get the um, the creative blocks and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. people just jumped all over it because they said, oh, I thought it was just me and this this makes me feel so much better. And And the same way we can just be silly and show more of our characters. So for me, that's almost more important than the topics. You know, the topics are arbitrary. We're, we talk about whatever we feel like each week, everything from like how to work with clients to how to sell physical products to how to price yourself correctly and and all kinds of stuff with guests as well but the common narrative is one of openness and transparency so on the whole kind of subject of exceeding expectations i mean you know we talked sort of briefly before about sort of stories i mean can you think of any stories where you have really exceeded what someone was uh was hoping to get from you yeah i'll give you a couple so um with with my company we like to try and surprise and delight and reward some of our most loyal community members. And for me, that often is going very specific and very deep and very personal. So instead of a generic email, um, you know, it might be getting them a gift. And instead of being a generic gift, like some of our merchandise, we might see what they're obsessed with on social media and then go on eBay. And let's say they're into, I don't know, a, a particular musician would go on eBay and get like a signed uh, poster from that musician mm. and send that mm. to them with a handwritten note of appreciation. You know, I always, I'd love to see how far you can go with that stuff and you can do some really interesting stuff. And I, I'll give you another example. You know, Christmas has just gone last year and I thought we need to do something for our suppliers that we work with um, outside of just sending them gifts. Why don't we do a video? And then I was like, but it would be kind of lame just to have me record a one minute video and send that to all of them. So I was like, why don't I do a personal video for every supplier? And we work with about 400 suppliers at this point. And so this thing took like at least a couple of hours. I think my voice was hoarse by the end. (laughs) Like I could (laughs) barely speak. It took like two days for our video guide to edit and export and upload them and do all of that. And then we had to email them all out individually. The response was phenomenal though. People loved it and they couldn't believe that we'd gone to the trouble and they're saying, you know, no one does this. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm Hmm. CEO of my company and, and they're like, you know, what, what CEO will devote that much time just to a, a little gesture like this. And, I th- it's mm. just going that extra mile isn't it it's doing the stuff which no one else does and i'm obsessed with that differentiation in that respect have you are you familiar with a book called giftology oh i haven't read it i'm pretty sure i've been told about it in the past though from from what you've just described i think you should read that book because it um it's it's, it's exactly what you've just been describing over the last few minutes that's what the book is all about it's about giving gifts to people that are that are not just the, the standard generic box of chocolates, box of you know, a Christmas hamper, the, the boring gifts that people normally give. It's about trying to do something for a client that is relevant to them, that is really means something to them rather than just a box of chocolates, which is, you know, it's, it doesn't mean anything. 
I've I've made a note as you mentioned it. I'm going to order a copy or two uh, for the office for myself and our customer care team. I love mm. that though. Well, I appreciate the recommendation. Well, and I'm I'm actually hoping to have the author of the book is a guy called John Rowland. I'm hoping to have him as a guest on the show in uh, sometime in the future. So we'll see whether that uh, comes off or not. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Let me know if you hook that up, and I'll definitely have a listen. I, I can give you another example if that's helpful of not not so much the gifting but that providing more value. Yeah, of course. Go on. So um, with I've I've talked a bit about my company. On the side of that, I'm doing the personal branding, and that is basically me loving helping entrepreneurs, and um, I love doing it for free. In a world where everyone's kind of charging and all the rest of it, I love doing it for free. And mm-hmm. something I always push out there is if you want to help people, then help them. If you want mm. to bring them value, bring them value. So many people talk about that, but they kind of withhold the good stuff. And so I think there's endless ways you can do this, but something which I'm loving doing is I've got a little community around what I'm doing on Instagram and social media. And mm. I organized a weekly call to basically mm. be a, a show of gratitude for some of my most engaged and um, ardent supporters. And so mm-hmm. as busy as my schedule is, I jump on a two hour call every Friday to give them free consultancy for their businesses. And Mm. anyone can do that. I'm trying to encourage my personal trainer to do that with his clients. Like Mm. it's such a good way to deepen that human connection and to have fun doing it. Like if you really care about your customers and your clients, you should enjoy that process. And it's Mm. one of the highlights of my week. So I jump on, we all have a laugh, like we start setting them homework and they're starting to see real strides forward in their business. And I get such Mm. a kick out of that. And so whether Mm. you are like, you know, an entrepreneurial mentor or like say a personal trainer, the tennis coach, like life coach, it doesn't matter. You will Mm. have some kind of fledgling community around what you're doing. And the best way to get them to stick around and care more about you is to give and to give and to give and not to worry about, what am I immediately going to get back from this? Everyone's so obsessed with the ROI, with closing the sale, with extracting mm. that immediate value. And I'm more, I know it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but I'm more a believer in, in the karma approach of when you are, you're constantly mm. doing and executing and just putting out good into the world. Doors tend to start unlocking themselves and serendipity tends to happen more. It might yeah. not be immediately from that person that you've helped, but maybe they tell a friend who tells a friend, or maybe that's just how you grow your brand and that opens up other doors. However it works, mm. I just believe in it. Mm. Now, that's a great tip. That's um, yeah, some really good advice. I mean, how, how do you do that on something like Facebook Live or how do you go about actually doing that? Uh, I do that on Zoom, actually. So I have started doing more lives and obviously that can reach a wider audience, but this is literally like a little private um, right. group of us. And mm. we've all become like good mates. We literally jump on. We've got all these silly inside jokes and we're egging each other on. Um, mm. And I just love it. And I, I couldn't care less that, you know, it's highly unscalable and there could be better uses of my time for scaling my brand out and stuff because I genuinely like to help people. And you know, if I'm just, I guess I'm just tired of everyone saying, I love helping others. And then I'll test mm. them and be like, oh, cool. Do you mind answering this question? And they're like, yeah, but only if you go and buy my premium course. And it's like, mm. you know, you're kind of full of it. I imagine when you're doing that as well. So the people that are on the call with you, they're all designers and some of them are, are now sort of made new connections because of that. Would that be true? Yeah. Like it, 
it opens up so many connections and i mean they're not just designers this is like i say this is my my side thing around my day job so my day job is connected more to the creative space um mm. the side bit is helping any entrepreneur that needs it but a lot of the group are creatives um and yeah like all these friendships and these connections form and before like some of them even there's a couple of them when now they're providing products for my main company because i've got mm. to know them and i'm like you're really talented let's do something here so you never know mm. what door is going to open up absolutely well listen tom we've we, t- fl- uh, time has flown it's gone uh, <laughs> yeah. a half an hour already so just before we finish i mean what what are your thoughts about over delivering and why maybe people should think about that as a business model How, any thoughts on that yeah i think there's several reasons to do it i think do it because i believe it's the right thing i think mm-hmm. treating people well being a good person that all plays out well as i just said with the karma thing so i think mm-hmm. that's the main reason for doing it but you know it's lucky that a side benefit is it's incredibly good marketing and it's good mm. marketing because, well, for a few reasons. It's good marketing because it's the best differentiation because hardly mm. anyone else does it. So if you do, yeah. you stand out in your marketplace. It's great marketing because it leads to a high percentage of word of mouth and referrals, which is the best way to get new customers, better than any other channel. So from both sides, from being a nice person and from growing your business, you can do both just by over-delivering to people. Um and I don't know, can I give a couple of book shout outs? They're, they're not mine, yeah. just ones that I've read. So yep. two, two of my favorite books in this area are Delivering Happiness, um, which is by the founder of Zappos, who are known the shoe company. But oh, yeah. For amazing yep, customers. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've got that book. All, yep. great, great book, right? Yep. By fellow Tony, actually, I believe. Um, he is, yeah. And, um, and also The Thank You Economy by Gary Vaynerchuk which yeah. uh, is his least uh, selling, but my favorite of all his books and just gets really deep into this stuff. It kind of takes you back to the roots of like small town living where everyone knew everyone. So the local baker had to be nice to everyone because otherwise he'd go out of business. And mm. it kind of argues how we've lost a lot of that over the years, hiding behind keyboards and going online. Um, but now with the transparency of social media, it's come full circle. And now is the time to actually be super nice so that's reason number three actually tony so you know it's nice to be Mm. nice it's great marketing but also everything kind of comes out these days i think eventually your reputation your brand is everything and it's if if you're not being nice it will come back to bite you okay tom um, how would people get in contact with you if they want to find out more about you yeah, sure. So um, my main company, the the design side of things is designcuts.com. Um, but what I'm really obsessing on the side of that right now um, in my spare time is my personal bit helping fellow entrepreneurs. So I do that through my weekly show on YouTube and iTunes, The Honest Entrepreneur Show. Um, and feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Tom Ross Media. And if you drop me a DM, mention that you listen to the show um, and reach out with anything you need help with, anything you're struggling with, with your marketing, I guarantee I will get back to you and I do everything I can to help because it's been a pleasure jumping on with Tony today. Fantastic. Okay, well, all of those links we'll put in the, in the show notes. And it's been, it's been a real pleasure, Tom. I really appreciate it. No, likewise. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been fun. Okay, cheers, Tom. Cheers. 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Exceeding Expectations. Next week in episode 21, it's the first time I have two people on the show. And it's uh, two ladies called uh, Kelly Tyler and Helena Holrick. And they run, um, they run various things. They've got so many businesses between them. I don't know how they find the time to do all the things they do. But they specifically try to help speakers, authors and coaches and help them in a number of different ways and it's it's a really interesting episode and even if if you're not an author speaker or coach i think you'll find enormous value in next week's episode so i hope you uh, do tune in next week please do join the facebook group leave a review you can find a facebook group just by searching for exceeding expectations and i look forward to seeing you next week